Welcome to a football show Monday edition here across all the 440 Sports Networks and, and, and Broadway Sports Media as well. My name is Braden. He's Zach. Welcome to the program. Lots of Titans stuff to do today as we dive into position by position, Zach. All of the Tennessee Titans roster decisions on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to do defense on Thursday. Uh, a lot of college football stuff coming next week. So a lot of Titans stuff this week on the show. Zach, how are you? Good to see you, my friend. Good, good. A little tired. We had a, a full a full house here at uh, the Lions Den Studios in uh, Goodlitzville. Oh. And uh, they, uh, great times were had. It's 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 a nice um, a nice thing to have in laws and relatives that you actually like. So with this nieces and nephews at the house is this yes, a... nieces and nephews and okay. of course their uh, their parents. So yeah. Well, so, so so now you know what life is like for those of us with children and and how lucky you are to give them back when you're done yes. c- celebrating how wonderful they are and you get to give them back. And, That's what and Huxley is exhausted as well. <laughs> That's the dog, by the way, Yes. for those that do not know. So we're going to go position by position today on the show, and we're going to project the offensive uh, 53-man roster for the Tennessee Titans, every single position. Obviously, Malik Willis a big and Logan Woodside, a big part of that conversation, but we'll do that position by position group, of course. Uh, what should folks do to get involved in the show, Zach? They should go to the YouTube channel. Go to our Twitter accounts, at 440 Sports. Hit subscribe, turn on notifications, tell everybody you know that on Mondays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, we are going to be here for you. And they should also, Braden, tune into the Fine Bomb Show Monday <laughs> through Thursday at 2 p.m. Where that's where you'll be. That's why we're going to have a little bit shorter episodes today and Thursday. Yes, I am. I am uh, doing a lot of blathering, uh, ga- gas bagging uh, this week on on Fine Bomb. So yes, that's why we're in our home studios today. Uh, the turnaround is going to be awfully tight for me to be going from this show directly to Fine Bomb today and Thursday, but love doing it. Those are my people. Uh, so again, a little bit more NFL Titans coverage this week. we got a lot of SEC stuff coming next week at Media Days as we're all going to be down in Atlanta for that. Of course, uh, special thanks to our title sponsor for making this show happen. The Kingston Group, buildkg.com is the website. Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. You know the drill. Do not make any decisions about your house until you've spoken to the Kingston Group. Again, that's all we ask. Have a conversation. That is buildkg.com. And tell them that we sent you. Yes. If you, use them. If you, if you didn't, if you don't tell them that, it defeats the whole purpose. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. Please, please tell them that you you heard it on 440 Sports and a football show, and we really, really appreciate that. Make sure you're checking out the F Words Pod, of course. You got some things in the works there as you're taking a break right now, but you'll be back very soon. Broadway Sports Media as well. So lots of stuff going on across both uh, platforms there the YouTubes, the Facebooks, the Twitters. Make sure you push all the buttons, turn on the no- notifications, and share the show. However, one quick college football topic, Zach, and it kind of bothers me. I don't know why things bother me when I hear people talking about subjects that I feel like they're they're framing incorrectly, and this happens on almost every single sports talk radio show in this market and everywhere else. I would say 90% of a person's job in media is to get things wrong. <laughs> that, that, is, that is the job. Um, so I just wanted to touch on how good Tennessee was doing in recruiting. Now, look, they get uh, Shandavian Bradley, an edge five-star recruiter, uh, five-star recruiter out of Missouri, is an edge pass rusher. Jalen Smith, a linebacker out of Georgia, a three-star, and uh, Shamurad Umarov, an offensive tackle out of Georgia. The names aren't that important specifically because we don't know how good or bad they're going to be until they get to campus, like three years from now. Um, These names are difficult. They get more and more difficult every year. It's going to make make it really hard for me. I need nicknames for all all these uh, kids coming in. Shan, Jalen, and Sham. How about I that? Like it. Sham, 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 Sham. 
Jammer Sham. Jam. So the point is, is that Tennessee is absolutely crushing recruiting right now. And they're a top five class by almost every, uh, every, every service across the internet. And I just wanted to point out how incorrectly this conversation is being framed by folks out there. It's all being framed about how Josh Heupel is proving all the doubters wrong, of which I, I was one of them, that I didn't think Josh Heupel could recruit at a high enough level to compete with Alabama and Georgia and A&M in the SEC. And while that's clearly taking place right now, that I, there's no arguing that they're not doing a great job on recruiting. I don't think it's because of Josh Heupel necessarily. You don't think it's Josh coming in with his jolly demeanor. I, I will. I will get. I will get around to complimenting Josh Heupel in just a second. But this is about money. This is about the collective. This is about NIL. Tennessee and A&M and Texas and Miami and the school. Ohio State had a big weekend. The schools that are crushing and recruiting are the ones that are spending the most money through their collectives. And <laughs> that's my shock no, face. That's right. why you have to tune into the videos because I just did the Macaulay Culkin Home Alone. Right. Like Doc. again, this isn't Josh Heupel proving doubters wrong. This is Josh Heupel outsourcing eighty percent of his job to a collective that then brings in great athletes. Now, to be very clear to Josh Heupel, which I think he's a wonderful guy, I think what collectives are allowing college football programs to do, Zach, is hire good old football coaches again. You don't have to hire James Franklin, the snake oil salesman, who's going to talk a dog off a meat truck because recruiting is 90% of the job. Like You can actually hire Josh Heupel, who's just a good old football coach. He's a good guy who's going to run a good program and be a thoughtful people person, right? And like care about the kids in his program. It allows that type of coach to succeed where that type of coach would never have been successful in recruiting in the past. This is about the collective propping up Josh Heupel in all the right ways and for all the right reasons. And it's so, probably a relief to a majority of the football coaches that they can just write a blank check and not have to spend hours on the road. And now they can spend more hours towards game planning, getting players ready. Uh, ball coaches will benefit the most from this guys that aren't great at recruiting, but are just pretty good coaches guys that were getting pushed out of the business because recruiting is 90% of the job. Yep. And now Josh Heupel's coaching and his people skills and talking to his players and caring about his, his program that can now be more successful because of the collective. So I just don't like the way it's being framed that Josh Heupel is like, Oh, everybody thought he wasn't gonna be good at recruiting. I'm like, no, the landscape changed. And now the NIL world and the collectives are buying players and Josh Heupel's brand now works better because of the collective. So yep. it, it's still great. It's great for Tennessee either way. I just don't like how it's being framed, the conversation at least. So now I got that off my chest. I feel better. I'm glad that you feel better because let's get into some about some Titans football. All right, Titans the rest of the way. We're going to go position by position, project the 53-man roster on offense today, on defense on Thursday. So we'll start with the quarterback position. And I will say right now, Zach, that you and a few others have convinced me. I've changed my opinion. I now believe that the Titans will probably be carrying three quarterbacks across the board for the entirety of the season until Malik Willis is ready to be the true backup. I think the Titans are keeping three quarterbacks. You've convinced me, sir. I'm, I'm in. Well, I, I it's just a logical choice with how this team operates, right? If, if Ryan Tannehill goes down in the middle of a game, let's even say it's even in the first quarter of a game, and let's say it's not serious, but he can finish. He can't finish the game. They're going to turn to Logan Woodside right then and there, and maybe feature Malik Willis a little bit more than they would have with some different packages. But it's Logan Woodside's show because at that point, regardless if they're down a touchdown, down three points, or up two or three touchdowns, 
he's the guy that's going to keep you competitive throughout the game because he's the guy that's been there the longest and knows this offense the best. And that I think that's it's not necessarily about going out there and having a dynamic playmaker at quarterback if your other guy goes down. It's about having a guy that knows all the plays, that knows the full playbook, can execute the full playbook, and basically turn around and give it to Derrick Henry, give it to Hassan Haskins, whoever may be back there. And maybe he holds on to the ball too long, but at least he's not making a mistake, right? At, at certain points, yeah. You're not really ready to unleash Malik Willis quite yet. Now, Malik can definitely change everybody's perspective, and the onus is on him. And that's what this coaching staff has said since they've taken over and been here in Tennessee, is that it's up to the rookies to take the job. So it's up to Malik Willis to convince the team via practice, via preseason games, that they don't need Logan Woodside if Malik goes down. However... I think if Ryan Tannehill does, I still think they keep three just in case if Ryan Tannehill goes down and it's a season-long thing, well, you need a second quarterback, right? So you're still going to need Logan Woodside and Malik Willis both. And at that point, it could be Malik's starting job, but it's Logan Woodside's job to back him up and be the mentor and be there throughout the whole thing. It's just, granted... Very rarely will anybody probably come pick up Logan Woodside at this point off. You may be looking at like someone like the Rams, who I don't even know who their backup is behind Matt Stafford. Could be a possibility. But the thing is, is that he has to be secured that second job and get paid a little bit more the way he's getting paid because he gets to choose, right? He gets to choose where he right. gets to go. And I just don't see it being one of those instances where the Titans are going to risk it because right now they are in such a good spot roster construction wise that they can afford to keep three quarterbacks, play it safe and not lose anything on any of the rest of the positions. Yeah, you, you guys have convinced me on this. So you you in particular have convinced me that the three quarterback way is the way to go. I thought, you know, maybe a seventh wide receiver or an eighth or ninth offensive lineman or maybe a seventh corner might have been more important to the team. But if I personally have my doubts about Malik Willis's ability to be ready to start right now as this year, 2022. So if that's true, and I'm going to kind of be honest with myself about that, then you have to have Logan Woodside. Like I, I just, you kind of have to. So you guys have, you guys have seen the light. I've come around on this. I've got Tannehill, Woodside, and Willis on my final 53 if I was predicting it right now on July, whatever the heck today And, is. and you, you've <laughs> written down your entire 53 already. Um, and, you know, we're just kind of going through it, you know, step by step. But when you look at the roster and do you see a position where you're like, oh, well, they don't really need Logan Woodside. They needed this guy. Because when you get to the bottom, I, I feel like it's a very clear and cut and dry roster to where you know where the talent's at and you know who's really yeah. not going to be able to contribute. Yeah, I thought when I did this exercise, it would be good, it was going to be more difficult to slide yeah. in Woodside. And then I got there and I was like, well, I trust those top six receivers. We'll, and we'll get to this. I think there's a defensive lineman or two that I that I really, really like that I'm trying to get onto the roster. There's an eighth offensive lineman I think is going to make the roster. I, I don't know about a seventh wide receiver. And then again, maybe a seventh corner, maybe a sixth corner. I, I don't know. So we'll, we'll we'll get into this again. All the defense we're going to do on on Tuesday but again I, I I found the exercise to be easier once I sat right. down and did it and then I got Willis and, and Woodside in there and I said oh okay this makes total sense because you're preparing for every possible situation right. at the quarterback position and when you do that you kind of need you kind of need both of them so 
Um, and and it's kind of a, a weird situation too because why you can't you know go in thinking that you're going to start 91 different players every year. Quarterback was the most healthy, consistent position. Right. Doesn't it seem like, oh, maybe we'll only have one injury this year, and then it's the quarterback position. Right. Only one injury, but it's yeah. 16 games of Ryan Tannehill. Right. So, <laughs> and, and look, and nobody's saying that Logan Woodside is um, the end-all, be-all of backup quarterbacks. But they have brought in numerous quarterbacks that have started for other teams in the past that cannot unseat this guy. Yeah. Trevor Simeon could not unseat Logan Woodside. Deshaun Kaiser could not unseat Logan Woodside. Kevin Hogan could not unseat Logan Woodside. Matt, Matt Barkley? Listen, yeah, Matt Barkley. And these guys have started and been in the league for years and years. These aren't like they're they're not Cole McDonald, it's, right? It's right. It's the it's the uh Logan Woodside zombie ap- backup quarterback apocalypse. Yeah. Like he just you come here and your your career dies as a backup quarterback because Logan Woodside murders you. That's yeah, and and Malik Willis is obviously different, but he, I would be very very surprised that this team would be willing to roll with Tannehill and yeah. Malik Willis as the only quarterbacks to make it to the fifty three. It Unless, does not mean that Logan Woodside has to be active or Malik Willis has to be active on game day. I just would be very surprised. Unless Malik Willis, and this is the good thing for Tennessee fans. Titans fans, unless Malik Willis is so good and developed so far that he is already good enough to be the backup as well, that's a great problem to yes. have. And then you don't need Logan Woodside. I don't believe that Malik Willis will be ready for that. That's, that's I, I have, I think there's a chance he could be ready, but I also think that it would have, to, I don't think it's going to be as ready as yep. it unseating Logan Woodside yes. off this roster. Yes. Because I agree. I just I think he's going to be there. I just don't think he's going to be all the way there where this coaching staff is going to be happy with it. All right, here's how I ranked him in the AFC South, and I'll I'll just say this yeah. so that I can piss you off and we can move on. I, I it's the now, best quarterback it, room in the AFC South. Is it the starting quarterback or is it the quarterback room? Well, we're talking the 53. I'm going quarterback room. First off, it doesn't change at all. He's the best quarterback in the AFC South, and he is. The, and it's the deepest and best quarterback room that the Titans have had, and it's currently the best in the AFC South. I, I would I would take, again, I need to see Matt Ryan's arm. I would rather have Matt Ryan starting at quarterback. I would rather have Trevor Lawrence starting at quarterback. No. Oh, no. I wouldn't, wouldn't wish any of those upon my worst enemy except for the Jaguars <laughs> and Colts. But I think as a room, from a depth standpoint, I think the, the Titans are number one. Yeah. I think as, as a room, they've got a solid backup. They've got a, a potentially high-level prospect and a starting quarterback. I think that's a great room to have if you're if you're the Titans. I, 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 I think I think you have to I have to say I'm a believe it when I see it guy. I'm not saying that there's a chance that Matt Ryan or uh Trevor Lawrence couldn't make a leap ahead of Ryan Tannehill at the end of the year, but right now they've shown nothing in the last year. That proves to me, even the last two or three years, it proves to me that they can that they're better than Ryan Tannehill currently. If Jacksonville calls the Titans and says we will trade you Trevor Lawrence for for Ryan Tannehill, the Titans would do that in five and a half seconds. I don't think they would. They would do it. They in got less Malik than Willis. Two what seconds. else are they getting? There's going to have to be something else with it. Stop it! Stop it! You are so wrong on. Tre- it's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. All right, running backs. Uh, this is this seemed pretty easy to me. Also, uh, Derrick Henry, Dontrell Hilliard, Hassan Haskins. And then you go Tory Carter, Trenton Cannon. I, I don't think Done. there's really I don't think there's really a debate here at running back. There, there's zero debate. And there's zero need to go out and get another running back or look at other running backs. I think the the one 
the one running back that has their roster spot that's kind of like teetering is going to be Trenton Cannon. Because yeah. if someone else takes over both punt return and kick return duty, then there's no need for Trenton Cannon unless they're strictly going to use him as a gunner. Because if he's not going to do any return duty, there's he brings nothing to the actual running back room of the offense. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Houston's by far the worst in the division. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I can't even, Damian Pierce is their number one running back, and that's – was it uh, Rex Burkhead is back there, I yeah. think? Jacksonville, to me, was clear number three, but closer to one and two than they are to Houston, in my opinion, with, I, with, I'd with have Etienne to see, and Robinson. I'd have to see it because Etienne is an unknown. Robinson is coming off an ACL injury, and he doesn't look to be wanting to come back too quick to Jacksonville. It's I think valid. they are the clear three, but I'm not going to say that they're they're closer to – I think they're just – they're in their own tier. They're in tier three. Yeah. And it's their own tier. And yes, exactly. And That's I right. would argue that while the Titans are deep, I think that the overall, the Colts have the better running back uh, duo in Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. I, I put the Colts at number one because of Hines. Because I think Taylor and Henry are, a, are basically even as two of the best running backs in the world. I think Hines is a slight upgrade on Hilliard and Haskins. And uh, so I, I gave the Colts a slight edge there, but I, I'm really okay with arguing both of them. Sort of like at the quarterback position, I'm okay with arguing both sides of it. Um, Objectively, I, the Colts have the better running back room. Probably. You can probably. you can argue all day in my mind about who's the better running back between Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. But I think at the end of the day, Naheem Hines is yep. so much better than anything that the Titans have behind Derrick Henry uh, I, currently. I, I, I totally agree with that. I've got the Colts at number one. I would say these are two of the best running back rooms in the AFC. I, I would say they're probably the two of the best running back rooms in the NFL. I think that the, sure. the other one would be the Cowboys that would be up there with Zeke and uh, Packers. Uh, Tony pa Pollard and the Packers would Packers be up there team. as well. Yeah. So oh, I, don't forget the Browns. The Browns are the best yeah, running back Browns. room in the in the AFC. Yeah, Browns Clint are low. Bar none, Chubb. Hunt and uh Deon Dearness Johnson. They are yeah. I was really hoping that the Titans could somehow get Dearness Johnson on the cheap when he was a our restricted free agent because I think he would be the perfect complement to Derrick Henry because he can do it all and he is awesome. And to me, the Browns have the best running back room. Uh all right. So wide receiver. I've got six wide receivers making the roster. I've got Woods Burks NWI, which is pretty obvious. I think Kyle Phillips seems seems pretty obvious. And then I think it's Des Fitzpatrick. And then I had a real tough time with the last one. I am leaning Josh Malone over Reggie Roberson or Mason Kinsey. I, I think some of these guys are like the, the last guys cut, frankly, on this roster. But I leaned Josh Malone and I leaned six. Where did you go at wide receivers? Well, to me, the question is, are the wide receivers good enough to carry just five and oh, wow. i almost think that they could get away with carrying just five if they are comfortable enough with kyle phillips being the punt returner kick returner with sharing duties with trenton cannon because right now to me i would say the your first five are correct i would think that racy mcmath over josh malone may make more sense but again yeah. You're keeping a guy strictly for special team purposes. And has he improved that? Because he wasn't that great of a gunner. They didn't ever use him as a punt returner or kick returner, even though he was used that way in college, which was totally perplexing in my mind that they'd even attempt to do anything with him last year around that. So they obviously have trust issues with Racy McMath dating back to last year. What can he do to improve that? 
So in my mind, I think the wide receivers could be good enough to carry just five and to let the Titans be comfortable to carry just five. Is there any conversation around Des not making the roster? I don't think so. I think that if you didn't hear coaches go out of their way to talk about Des at, yeah. at certain points, because they have been asked, but they've also gone out of their way to talk about Des, um, I, I would say no. But then Des was down with Ryan Tannehill, and I know people, you know, kind of poo poo on that because it was Des Fitzpatrick or Ryan Tannehill and NWI, but that matters, right? Because that's yeah. coaching. That matters for Des that he's getting he's getting to know what Ryan Tannehill wants and what time Ryan Tannehill needs. And that's so important for a, a player in year two who's more comfortable. So if you're going to have faith in Dylan Radins, then you need to have faith in Des Fitzpatrick. Yep. Now, yep. he's still wide receiver five. But th the question is, are the, also are the wide receivers good enough for the Titans not to go out and get a wide receiver? That that's another interesting question because I do think there's a drop off after four. I think the top four are pretty clear, and uh, of course, Sobros Network chimes in. Make sure you check out all the great work from the Sobros Network. Uh, don't forget that McMath is the next Julio Jones as well, just like wide receiver one NWI or wide receiver yeah. two or whatever that whole deal was. Um, here's the thing: of the last six guys that I cut off the team, um, Reggie Roberson, Mason Kinsey, and Racy McMath were like three of those last six guys. So like. Basically, what I'm saying is there's there's four different people battling for maybe one spot, and all of them are very, very close to making yeah. the team. And when you look at how it relates to the rest of the division, I have Indianapolis at, at – I wrote Indianapolis down at four, and I said Indianapolis is four. I think all three are fairly even, uh, any, uh, uh, Tennessee, Jacksonville, and Houston. But let me let me float something to you. I think you could argue Tennessee is third right now. But by midway through the season, they're number one. Yeah, as I, Burks I, develops and as Woods yeah. gets healthy, they become number one. I think they're, um, I think they're all shit. Like I think that, <laughs> that that you will not find a division with a worse collection of wide receivers yeah, across the board than than the AFC South. Now, let me say this: I am with you in that I think the Titans could easily jump to number one by the end of the year and make this look like John Robinson is a freaking genius. <laughs> um, but that's, that's going to take a, that's going to take two rookies really stepping up and possibly Des yep. Patrick to make the leap. I mean, you're talking about five wide receivers. Three of them are complete unknowns at this point. And Robert Woods is coming back from injury is the, is uh, the fourth one. And who am I? Oh, well, we know what NWI well, is. NWI is, is a competent wide receiver two, three when needed. I, I think, I think Burks and Phillips primarily could be significantly better after seven to 10 weeks. I think Woods would be better from a health standpoint. I think Des Fitzpatrick will know more about what he is by about seven or eight to 10 weeks into the season. And if he's a contributing factor or not. So I think they've got a chance to be the best in the division. I don't know which one I like better. I think Jacksonville has more all overall talent one to like five, but I like Houston's top two weapons better potentially so like with with cooks and company so i i think you can kind of i think all three are about even and like you said none of them are amongst the best in the afc yeah and you know we we talk about long speed long speed long speed you know des fitzpatrick cranked out some big plays down the field and they may think that even though he doesn't he's not like quick with the acceleration he has to build up to a speed maybe they think that's enough to stretch the field vertically it, it, I don't 
it, that last receiver spot, I don't, I don't know about Dez. I need to see this the, the burst out of him, but he's definitely at camp. He was definitely in better shape. He was definitely trimmed down, leaner, more muscular, stronger, smarter, more confident, like all that kind of stuff. But I still don't see the first step burst that you. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think you will. I don't, I yeah. don't think he has that first step like uh, Tyree Kill or anybody like no, that. No, I, I think his first step can be, I don't know, like Chad Johnson esque. Like Chad Johnson wasn't fast, but he could get open. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I think he's going to have to rely more so on yeah. learning his routes and doing it and his craft better than he is just his physical traits. Because I think that's what he really. To me, that's what it felt like he was going to lean on. I'm big, right. I'm tall, I'm physical. Uh, who cares about everything else? Now he's going to have to learn everything else. Yeah, I want to see him be that that physical dog that you see when a guy's like just an absolute dog. And I want to see that from Dez. I, that's what he should be able to do. Ky you watch Kyle Phillips and Dez Fitzpatrick do the same drill back to back, and you're like, whoa, that dude's real fast. Whoa, that dude's not. And that like yeah. that's, that's kind of what happens there. Um, uh, at tight end. Austin Hooper, Chig, Jeff Swaim. Those are the three I had making the That's roster. It. I was curious if we were going to see four. You said absolutely not before the show, so I'm sticking with three. And I think it's the best tight end group in the AFC. So I don't think there's, again, not a whole lot to discuss here with the tight ends. You know who the elder statesman of tight ends is actually in the AFC South who's been with their team the longest? Mo Alley Cox. Mo Alley Cox. <laughs> uh he is he's the elder statesman of AFC South. Uh, Evan Ingram is just a new addition to the Jaguars. And then you have over you have Brevin Jordan and Pharaoh Brown over in Houston. Clearly, <laughs> clearly the Titans have the best tight end group, and it's not even close. And I I will say though, I, I think it's gonna be interesting to see who is the best tight end in the AFC South. And I think that the two best options. Out are right here in Tennessee, and that's either Chig or Austin Hooper. Well, who's the kid the Colts drafted? Uh, very similar to Chig. Uh, oh, Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods. I think Woods has has equal Chig opportunities. If that makes sense, like they're I, both they're both very athletic. I think Chig is more evolved around the edges. If that makes sense, it will. I think it will be interesting because I disagree. I think Chig is the better prospect than Jelani okay. Woods from a all-around standpoint. I think Jelani Woods has the physical traits you're looking for, right? I mean, he's yeah. like he's like seven feet tall, you know, 200-something yeah, pounds, and he's and he's he's got good soft hands. Like That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. I, I think Woods is a more freakish athlete. I think Chig is a more well-rounded player. The, the problem is, you know, there's a reason why a freakish athlete like that, who scouts were a little high on as far as internet scouts, and right. then a team gets them in the fourth or fifth round, there's there's some kind of issues where maybe he can't mentally put together. See, I think that's where Chig has the advantage as a rookie tight end. He was drafted in the round everybody thought he would be drafted in, and he is um, on on tape. What you see with the with his press conferences, dude's got it up here. Like, and I'm oh, yeah. pointing, yeah, again. Yeah. Watch the video. I'm pointing up at my head. He's got it mentally, and I think that there's it's going to be a steal and he's going to be the elijah molden of this draft class where everybody's gonna be talking about what a steal chig Okwankwu was i think phillips could fall into that category as well so yeah um all right offensive line this is the most difficult to rank within the division but i do not think it was all that difficult to pick out excuse me the eight guys that i thought were going to make the team we know taylor lawan dylan radens nicholas petit frere those three for sure we know ben jones jamarco jones 
uh, Aaron Brewer, Nate Davis, and then probably Corey Levine. I guess those are the eight that I put on this the roster. Um, I don't I don't know if there's another battle in there. And- I, I think that um, you got Christian Delur- Delurio, whatever I can't even say his name. Delaurier, yeah, Delaurier. I I think what you you're seeing, and I I titled it the offensive line, a bunch of dudes, is because after your first four, it's a bunch of dudes, and then NPF because yeah, obviously Ben Jones, Dylan Raines, Taylor Lewan, and NPF are the main four, right? Nate, 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 uh, Davis. Nate Davis. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. take the NPF off, Nate Davis. And then MPF is going to stick because he's the draft. He he was drafted pretty high, and and I, he's got the talent that you want to see. He he. I'll they, say this: he looks so much better than Jamarco Jones. Yeah, that's I'll the guy I don't think is is has a secure job. I agree with and, you. And here's I the thing: is because if Aaron Brewer wins that job, while Jamarco Jones does have positional flexibility, and I think that's that's their big thing. If you're not going to make it to the starting offensive line, you need to have positional flexibility. So he does have that going for him, and so does Corey Levin. So if Ben Jones were to go down, either Ann Brewer can switch over or they could put in Corey Levin. So to me, those are your eight, and I think it's a clear eight. I think there's some other guys that you may, that may be able to take out Jamarco Jones, but I don't think it's Jamarco Jones versus NPF or Jamarco Jones versus – uh, Aaron Brewer, I think truly it's Jamarco Jones versus I got to make this roster. Yeah, I uh, first of all, it should say it should say a bunch of boys right there, a bunch <laughs> just a bunch of boys. Um, I, I think here's the thing: if you go sign Eric Flowers, Jamarco Jones is the odd man out. Yeah. Oh my God! If you sign Eric Flowers, it changes everything. That not only makes your team so much better, but you <laughs> get rid. You don't have a weak spot on the offensive line technically. If Dylan Reigns is Dylan Reigns of the 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 San Francisco game where he got inducted to the hall of fame. They then <laughs> if you put in Eric flowers, where's the weak line or the weak spot on this offensive line, it's obviously right tackle, but it's not that much of a weak spot. And then you're looking at being the best offensive line group in the NF in the uh, AFC South. Cause currently I think they're second. I, I also have them at number two. Who do you have at number one? I went Colts. Uh, I just think, Ooh, okay. I think Quentin Spain, Ryan Smith, and um Quentin Nelson. Yeah, Quentin Spain. Gosh. Quentin Quentin Nelson. Like, Quentin I think Spain they have is the reason just, you like them. Yeah. I think he, they just have so much going for them. Obviously, left tackle is an issue, but they have so much more going for them across the offensive line that doesn't really and didn't really matter really a lot last year, right? I mean, we made a big deal about their offensive line um issues last year, and it really doesn't matter as long as those other guys are there. What about Jacksonville? I like Jacksonville, but they can't stay healthy. I mean, you've seen them routinely not be able to stay healthy, and they pay people that aren't staying healthy. So I'll believe it when I see it. Like, I think they could be. I think it's very close. Like, I don't think it's as – it's as not as far away as the, the uh, I guess, running backs in my mind. I think they're they're closer – their their offensive line group is closer to the Titans and uh, Colts than their running back room is. So they are, in theory – from what I've heard you say today on the show, they are in theory one Eric Flowers away from having the best position group at almost every category, with the exception of maybe running back. Yeah, on on offense, on offense. on offense. Well, on defense, they're not. I not mean, to, let's not be honest. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. When we get to the defense, it's going to be probably more the same because John yeah. Robinson, despite yep. falling short on some of these drafts, has constructed one of the best rosters Tennessee Titans have ever seen. 
Yep. Uh, inside linebacker maybe might be the position I, I give the Colts the edge, but that might be it. Uh, well, that's that's too much previewing for yeah. Thursday. So we'll, we're going to go position by position on defense on Thursday. So again, I got three quarterbacks, five running backs, six receivers, three tight ends, eight offensive linemen. That allows for me on Thursday to keep extra defensive linemen and an extra corner. Yeah, don't forget you got include no. kicker, punter, and a long snapper and all. Yeah, I got four, I got four I got, of them in there. I, I got four. Make sure. I got I got Kern Bullock and you know Morgan Cox and somebody else in there too. So all right. <laughs> you got to get those guys in there. So um that's our offensive position by position preview. Again, I think the only debate is eighth offensive lineman and maybe sixth wide receiver. I think those are the two, and then I guess third quarterback, I suppose. But I, I think you guys have fit, you guys have solved the problem. I, I'm I'm convinced now they're gonna keep three and they're going to have to find a, a place to find that slot on the roster somewhere. So, yep. um, all right, tell everybody about what you got coming up on uh, all the all different stuff you're doing. Well, uh, working on finding a co-host for Football and Other F-Words as far as a guest host, uh, try to get you an episode out sooner rather than later. So I'm trying to schedule that up and uh, hopefully have an episode out soon. Yep, uh, we'll be back. We're not going to be in the studio there, Cast Collective, of course, uh, over on uh, – Music Row, because we got SEC Media Days coming up next week, and I'm doing the Fine Bomb stuff this week, so we'll get back into there in a couple of weeks. Uh, make sure you check them out if you want to rent a private space, of course. Kingston Group, BuildKG.com, our sponsor here on the show. Make sure you check out the website. Lots of work that you need done on your house. My wife wants to do work all the time, and so it's like, hey, let's talk to the Kingston Group, see what they think about it. Let's see if we can get a nice quote, some design aesthetics going on there, and, and uh, they do a great job, so check them out buildkg.com turn on the youtube notifications share the show we turn it into a podcast basically day of just right after the show so if you can't catch it on the video stream make sure you check it out on the podcast as well uh, at braden gall at f words pod at 440 sports anything else i think we i think that's I think we covered it i think that's about it uh thanks for hanging out with us today again no it's a short episode we're gonna do that again on thursday defense position by position so uh we appreciate you guys hanging out with us thanks for watching for zach on braden this has been the monday edition of a football show